Great news, my cruciferous cousins. Plant Strong Foods is hosting a March Madness Meals and Minutes sale. Visit plantstrong.com and save up to 30% on every one of our ready-to-eat chilies and stews. It is the perfect time to stock up on these heat-and-eat tasty meal solutions. Having a stash in your pantry means you're never more than 90 seconds away from a satisfying meal. The sale runs through March 17th while supplies last. Visit plantstrong.com today. Hello, everyone. This week, we've departed from our regularly scheduled episodes on season two of The Heart of a Hero to bring you a candid and thoughtful conversation with my brother-in-law, Brian Hart. Brian recently wrote a great piece called Lessons from COVID-19, and I think it was and is a very appropriate that, uh, given everything that's going on in the world around us right now, that, uh, that we have a, a, a talk like this. Um, you'll see that this took place in my daughter's bedroom, which during this time when all the kids are home from school was the only place that I could duck into in the house that was quiet enough for me to talk with Brian. I also want to apologize for any audio uh, or, or video quality issues that are that are happening. Uh, this is the first time that I haven't been live uh, face-to-face with the person that I'm interviewing, but due to the restraints right now with travel and social distancing, this, um, this was the case. And listen, I know that everybody out there is managing a lot right now, and neither I nor Brian are coronavirus experts, but like you, we are learning how best to correctly distance ourselves from our neighbors, how to stock our pantries for the weeks ahead, and how to adjust to uh, the new normal. I hope, though, that you take away some thoughtful ideas and perhaps uh, some hope on how this moment in time might shift our world and awaken the possibility that change needs to happen. We've already proven we can come together and do what it takes to keep our fellow citizens safe. Perhaps a new day is coming where the conversation will turn to our food systems and the ways that we can save the globe as well. We'll be back next week with our regularly scheduled episodes. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Hey, so I am here with Brian Hart. Brian is my brother-in-law. Brian, you're married to Jane. I am, I am. <laughs> and you've been, you've been married to her for how many years? 21. Tw- 21 years, amazing. Yeah. And with Jane, you've had, uh, you've had three children, right? Yep, three and, kids. And can you, uh, can you let us know like their ages and their names? So Kryle is 21. Um, she's named after her mother-in-law's maiden name, your, your mother, Anne Kryle Esselstyn. And uh, she's 21. She's a junior at Kenyon College. And then our son, Zeb, is 20, and he's at Williams College. And then, um, oh, excuse me, he's 19, and then uh, he's about to be 20. Mm-hmm. And then our uh, youngest daughter, Bainan, is a senior in high school. She's 18, and she's here at school in Cleveland. And... Um, as you can imagine, the last week has been pretty interesting, as I know it's been for you as well with uh, all these changes. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And I want to, I want to get into some of the changes that you and I have both seen. Um, so you and I, uh, you were in education for a number of years yeah. and, you know, um, everything from teaching to, you know, being, you know, head, headmaster of the middle of middle schools. Um, and for the last, God, I want to say like four or five years, you've really kind of been getting the whole plant-based plant-based scene. You've been working with, with, uh, with engine two, with Anna Nessie, you and Jane have been doing, you know, events. Uh, and most recently, I think within the last year, um, you have taken over as executive director for the Esselstyn Foundation, yeah. which is a 501c3. Yep. And yep. I mean, I can't think of a better, a, a better time to be getting this message out about people strengthening their, their immune system uh, than, than, you know, <laughs> right now. And, it, and today is St. Patrick's Day, yeah. March, March 17th. Right. Uh, so, you know, go green, baby. That's right. <laughs> go green, go green. Yeah, it's, uh, for me, it's been an interesting, um, it's been an interesting journey. Uh, you know, I've been an educator, as you said, I was in education for uh, over 20 years, first as an outdoor educator, then as a, um, I started out teaching third grade, it was the first year I taught uh, in the classroom. And I've taught every grade, I've taught third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, uh, ninth, never, uh, oh, 10th and then 12th grade, never taught 11th graders for some reason, um, and never fifth graders. But anyway, yeah, I've been in education for a long time. And, and it was kind of this natural transition where I got to the time where I'd been teaching for a long time and I realized it was time for a change and I was getting a little burnt on being in the classroom. And so uh, we had been, you know, I've been working with your family, members of your family in different capacities for years in trying to get this whole food plant-based message out to people. It's just another version of teaching really. And so mm -hmm. I felt very lucky that you were, you invited me aboard with the uh, number of the engine two uh, plant strong events and I was able to sort of bring some of my teaching skills there. And, uh, and then most recently, as you said, we started the Esselstyn Foundation, 501c3 public charity that is uh, aimed at, at getting this plant-based message out. Uh, and at such a critical time, even before this, you know, I know we're gonna talk about COVID-19 in a few minutes, but, but uh, really just a critical time in the, in the health history of the United States where we, as you know, we've got this health crisis in our hands with so many people suffering from these lifestyle related diseases and pulling together the work of your father, your incredible work with, um, you know, with what you're doing and kind of creating this groundswell of, of excitement around plant-based eating. And then what um, Jane, um, you know, my wife, uh, your sister does, which is she's been working more, I think, in, in supporting you with recipes, but also she's kind of got her own thing going with women, this kind of concept of women warriors and, and plant-based women warriors. And building up a lot of excitement around that. So I really feel like it's been, I've been very lucky to slot myself in kind of between all this good work that's going on and try to support it as best I can. Yeah, well, you, yeah, well, it's been a lot of great work. And I think one of the things that our, our family always looks to you for is you're, you know, you're, you're pretty much an avid reader and, um, and also writer. And uh, you recently wrote a, pic, a, a piece that I think appeared yesterday on uh you know kind of food choice and covid uh covid 19 and um so i mean I, as far as i know you're like i'll just say that you know you're, you're an, a, a nice expert <laughs> right that that i would like to reflect on right now 
as uh, as this thing is really kind of gaining gaining steam um, and has <clears throat> in a very weird way started to penetrate everybody's lives in a way that I don't think any of us could have imagined two weeks ago. No, it's, it's really, I mean, it's talk about things changing day by day. It's important to remember, I think it's important for, for people to realize that um, your sister Jane's women's, uh, plant-based women's conference was yeah. a, a week ago. And so like, 250 people came to Cleveland and all crammed into a room together and heard some of the, you know, some fantastic speakers all in the name of women's health, preventing heart disease, and in this case, preventing cancer as well was part of the conference. And I think it's pretty amazing to think if that, if we had stalled that by one week, it wouldn't have happened. I mean, it yeah. really sort of slipped it in. Uh, and yeah, so I, so I wrote this piece that, uh, I, I mean, I'm sort of, because I was a history teacher for many, many years, I think I've always been able to maintain kind of a big picture view of things in many ways. And as we all know, it's easy in our daily lives to get caught up in just sort of the daily, oh my gosh, we're going to run out of toilet paper. I better get to the store and, and all the kind of daily stuff that it comes into our lives at a time like this. But um, I found myself thinking a lot, a lot about, about this big picture lessons. Because any time in history, if you study history, you always know that even often the most tragic situations in history have these incredible lessons. And you could even argue that maybe we don't really learn um, a lot until bad things happen. And then we can kind of take, take stock in the things that went down and we can say, oh, how can we make sure that doesn't happen again? And I think uh, the article that, I, that came from a place of really thinking about, okay, what are the positive sides? That yes, this is a tragedy. And let me be first to say that it's really important that, that you know, our hearts go out to all the people that are struggling yeah. and dealing and suffering during this crisis. Uh, and that's, you know, that's my first and foremost concern. But I think when you literally look at lessons that we can learn from what I wrote in the article was that there are actually some incredible lessons that are, that are right in our face about this. Um, and I'm, I, happy, I'm I, happy to go through those if you yeah. want. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd, love, I'd love for you to do that. And I'll, I'd be happy to tee those up for you. Yeah, sure. Um, but I love the fact that you're kind of, you're, you're looking at this and then you're looking for the silver lining, right? Like, so right. What, what, what is the, the big picture lessons that, that we can take away from this. And I don't think in some ways we really, uh, we really know what all those lessons are gonna be. No. But, but I think that there's some that are, you know, um, that are the low hanging fruit that we right. all, it's, that we all, especially being in the plant-based world, right. can, can see like what with 2020 vision. Right, right. Things that aren't as obvious to other people at times for us in the plant-based movement, it seems like, well, duh, of course, but I think it's important to remember, but that isn't, I don't want to make it seem as if we are all knowing and that other people are ignorant, because right. that's not the truth. It's just, it's just, I, you know, I find you, that you start applying this plant-based lens to what's going on right now, and you start to realize it just starts dinging all the bells. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, and, 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 you know, if you study history, like I said, in any form, if you go back and look at the Spanish flu of 1918, if you go back and look at the plague in Europe uh, in the Middle Ages, I mean, all of these crises brought with them incredible advances in medicine, how you deal with public health, mm. concepts of quarantining and how you deal with all that. It, all those were advances that were made because of disease, because of these pandemics. And I think this coronavirus is going to be no different in the sense that, that once we kind of get through the acute tragedy of it all which is is tragic don't get me wrong 
is there, there are going to be a lot of lessons about what we, how we can prepare for the future and just how to take care of ourselves in our daily lives. That's, that's, yeah. that's really important for sure. So, so let's jump into lesson number one that you, that you write about, which is animal consumption is problematic. Yeah. I mean, I, I tried to state it in a way that wouldn't turn people away. I think it's very easy to say something really harsh there, but I kind of wanted to phrase it in a way that would make people who maybe are, you know, are carnivores, not turn them away immediately. So that's why I said problematic. But really, in the end, what I'm really trying to say is that we shouldn't be eating animals, uh, especially considering the way that we raise them. Um, if you do some research on where this all started, and there, there's some amazing uh, uh, videos online. Um, Dr. Michael Greger actually has a really long piece on this from years ago about, about where this all started and it's, it's estimated or it's suggested that, that the coronavirus started in these wet markets in Wuhan, China. And what these wet markets are is uh, are places that are not very well heavily regulated by the government and they're places in which animals are caged and housed in, in very um, concerning ways where the cages are stacked on top of each other and there's a lot of you know feces and urine and you know mixed in with a lot of other things and then there's also a lot of um, what we would call wildlife in these markets. So they sell a lot of exotic animals along with domesticated animals. And it's just the perfect kind of petri dish for these diseases to jump from animals to humans um, and to spread throughout the, the, the animals that then gets into the humans. And so if you do a little research on disease, I actually found this, this is something I learned in the last 48 hours because yeah. I started doing more research was that basically every single serious disease that we've dealt with in the last, you know, in the last like 10,000 years in terms of pandemics has all come from animals. It's all come from the weight. Yeah. So why, why, why is that not like making headlines? I know that, I know. you know, Hey, animals are seriously problematic. Right. Right. Like if everyone was raising animals in a backyard where they had lots of room to move around, I mean, you know, people have been raising chickens for millennia, but the, but the problem is the way we raise modern chickens and the way we concentrate all these animals in the same, and I know you know this, it's, you know, you, you see the way that these, these millions and millions of chickens are, are caged in these big houses where they're all just walking on top of each other. It's just a perfect, like any epidemiologist or disease specialist would say, this is the perfect environment to breed disease. And the challenge these days is that these diseases are, are replicating so quickly and they're mutating. And so the diseases are so strong that they're, you know, it's not just a little disease that wipes out some chickens. This is a disease that obviously can kill humans. And, and uh, I actually did a little research and I found that I have this list right here I wanted to make sure I mentioned is that yeah. if you look at um, where measles came from, measles came from cows and sheep, camel, uh, smallpox came from camels, whooping cough and swine flu came from pigs, typhoid came from chickens, uh, the standard influenza virus, which is what we're dealing with now, came from birds, and they actually think most likely from the domestication of ducks. Water buffalo have are linked to leprosy. Horses, the common cold, and even West Nile virus from pet birds. So whatever we're doing and the way we handle animals these days is having this, and this is something that, that we in the plant-based movement, I don't think many people in the plant-based movement even really know much about this. No. It's, it's another piece to the puzzle, which is, oh my gosh, like, if we're going to farm animals this way, this is what's going to happen. So another great opportunity to say, I'm just going to cut that part of that out of my life. I'm just going to decide to make it a better choice. What about, what about SARS and, yeah. uh, and, and MERS and 
swine flu. Right. I mean, all, all those are animal. Yep, all those are animal rooted. Where these are diseases, and one of the one of the theories is um, when they started to forest um, the rainforest, um, like for instance, Ebola. Ebola came from um, when they were cutting through forests in Africa. They were eating monkeys. They were feeding the workers monkeys when they were sort of paving their way into these forests and, and taking them down to be able to farm again, you know, farm cows and other large animals that they came in contact with monkey meat and monkey meat and, you know, it was in the blood and they were not doing a great job of cleaning, you know, the meat that they were eating. And that's where they think Ebola came from, which is one of the most deadly diseases, not in terms of scale, but in terms of intensity, right? Like e Ebola doesn't spread well, but when it, the people who do get it die, like they, it's like, you know, it's basically a death sentence. So again, like why in your life, if you're, if you're really taking a look at risk in your life, why wouldn't you say, okay, well, that's interesting. And maybe we ought to just cut that out of our systems because it's, it's so problematic on so many levels. No, I mean, <laughs> it really is. And I think that, um, you know, hopefully this will, along with climate change and everything else, right. will be the, the wake up call that we need to per Per your point, lesson number one, animal right. consumption. Let's like let's yeah. let's let's stop it. It's ridiculous. And it's also important Rip, to remember too that this is not just something that happens in wet markets in China. Is that uh, right? You know, chicken factory, chicken farming in the United States is equally at fault for spreading a lot of these bird-related flus. And so the estimation is that this is going to this is our future now. That that. This is not going to be one of those every 150 year pandemics. This is going to be something that maybe happens every 30, 40 years because of the way we farm animals today. And that's just period. You know, it's well, not something. Yeah. But, but it doesn't have to be that way, right? No, I mean, it doesn't at we, all. We, we start, we start, we stop farming animals and we stop eating animals. And all of a sudden, uh, I would imagine that the risk goes down to almost zero. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if people, I mean, again, if people who want to remain carnivores, which you and I, of course, don't suggest, but if they do want to, you better be raising your own, your own meat or buying it from a place that's, that's a, a, a big free range place where the animals aren't concentrated together. But, you know, of course, our recommendation is just cut it out of your, just cut it out of the deal. Well, th listen, I think that the reality is, and this is a completely different subject, and I'm not going to go t off on this too much, but I think that with what's going on right now with um, cellular fermentation, yeah. right? This sure. gr growing these lab meats and stuff like that. Uh, I think that it will make animal agriculture obsolete in the next ten years. I agree. I agree. The, the, the efficiencies of it and the fact that all of a sudden we don't have to be, you know, staring at another, you know, yeah. uh, COVID twenty two. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. And it's it's the future. I just saw an article titled uh, that I was looking at today called "COVID nineteen is our future." I thought, <laughs> no. <laughs> No, no, we got it. We got to stop that. Put the yeah, brakes on that. Put big the brakes on that for sure. Well, so before we go to, uh, well, actually, maybe you're going to cover this in your lesson, so I'm not going to go into it. But so lesson number two is stay healthy and old age. Right. I mean, this so, is this is such a huge one. And I know you and I have spoken about this. And when Jane and I often share our why, what motivates us on a, on a, every, on a given day about staying plant based. One of the main whys that we, I always think of it as like something, if I was to tattoo something on my hand to remind me why I want to be healthy and I want to eat healthily in my life is I don't want to be a burden to my children. And I think that's, that's uh, to really look at how we age in this country, which is really, um, again, a little bit of research. So 
I found I found out from the CDC that 60% of America of older Americans are are battling two or more chronic diseases, some sort of condition. So that can mean diabetes, heart disease, cancer, you know, respiratory issues. Um, so 60% of our older gener of our older uh, Americans are dealing already with these, which, as we know, compromises your immune system. So as soon as your immune system is compromised. Uh, Viruses like COVID-19 just wreak havoc. So the, you know the average age of deaths from from COVID-19 coronavirus are somewhere in the high 70s or, or 80s. So it's killing older people, and this is why it's so it's so important for us to be healthy as older adults. And I know you you speak about this all the time, but you think about what do you want the last 15, 20 years of your life to be? Do you want it to be spent in a going in and out of hospitals because of a variety of of lifestyle related diseases that are all preventable or do you want to live a vibrant life like your parents where they're able to do everything and and uh, to be out there and be active and be healthy and that's to me is another huge lesson is to age well is to make sure that you're making steps so that you're around for your grandkids that you can play with them but you can also avoid the risks like what's going on right now which is going to really be it's possible that, that thousands of older people in this country will be dying in the next three weeks. And that's mm -hmm. scary. No, I know, I know a lot of the, the elderly are really taking this like as serious as can be and doing some serious social distancing, right. wear, wearing gloves, hunkering down for, I think, you know, the next month to two months. Right, right. And we have, as, as many of your, of your listeners know, we, uh, Jane and I live next door to your parents. And even though they're as healthy as horses, we're still, we're being careful with them too. You have to, you just don't know. You just don't know. I, I don't think that they're at risk because they're so healthy and because they've eaten plant-based for so long. But again, you gotta be, you gotta be careful. You really gotta be careful. We, we, whenever we go over there, we wash our hands before we go. We try not to, you know, we stay, keep our distance just to be careful. Yeah. So, so well, imagine, imagine if their immune systems were super compromised. I mean, it's, it's. Yeah. It's that, yeah. that much more risky. Yeah, I mean, and I feel like, <clears throat> like I just look at the number of people uh, that I know and in my life that have gotten the flu this right. season. This season right. seemed to be a particularly bad season for the flu. Right. Um, you know, my, my wife had it. Uh, one of my daughters had it. Uh, next door neighbors had it. You know, I think uh, Essie had it a couple. Right. Uh, so, I mean, it's, um, <laughs> it's. It is out there, big time. It is. It's out there. But I mean, I think a, a note about Essie is, you know, Essie rebounded once he got through it. He's 86 years old. He he he, he rebounded, which is not what yeah. a lot of a lot of older Americans are going to be doing. This is going to be something that's going to, if not, if it's not going to kill him, then it's going to devastate him for a month or two. And Essie's already sort of up and yeah. around and doing fine. So that's another testament to his health and yeah. and all that. So to get just to get a little bit uh, into the weeds here, yeah. Uh, under you know, stay healthy in old age. What are some of your recommendations? Oh, my goodness! I think it's the classic. You know, think about if you if you've read. I'm sure many of your listeners have have read the Blue Zones or heard Dan Butner speak. But uh, my recommendations always it's well, it's always going to start with with uh, eating healthily. That's the number one thing you can do is eat well. And Dan Butner goes over this a lot. You know, he just uh, recently put out a new cookbook, I think, called um, The Blue Zone's Kitchen. Blue Zone's Kitchen, exactly. Yeah. And what we both know is that 95% of the Blue Zone's, 95% uh, of the food they eat is plant-based. 
And uh, of course, we like 100%, but they they stick with 95%. It's rich in legumes, a lot of vegetables. But here's something I learned in his book that I thought was fascinating, is that only uh, that in the blue zones, they only eat about 20 types of food. Like there's only 20 um, staples that they eat. So that was really interesting. Like we often talk about eating the the rainbow and eating as many different colors. But in the blue zones, a lot of times it's concentrated around 20. Clearly, they're picking a really good 20. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I thought that was interesting. So you got to well, eat well. You, yeah. You know, I, I, no, you're right. I think that's interesting. I also like it because, and this is kind of what I've always told people is, you know, sure, we like, we like variety, especially as we're learning more about, you know, the microbiome and the feeding, feeding all these different types of soluble and insoluble fibers to, right. for your gut. But at the same time, I think that if you're, if you're hitting 20, like, you know, potatoes and whole grains and a couple of different types of veggies and right. fruits, you're going to, you're going to just be kicking some major butt. Yeah. And, and so I, I think that that's, it's nice. To, it's a nice reminder to people that, you know, 20 nice whole food, plant-based foods, and you can, you can do it like the blue zones does it. Right. And you think about those super, those super foods, like whether it's uh, sweet potatoes or blueberries or these, or kale or, or arugula, you know, if you yep. include that every single day, that's, you know, you could just, you could probably get it down to 10 and still be great. Yeah. Yeah. So I think eating well, obviously you got to move your body. Another thing that, that Dan Butner talks about is uh, living a life of relative inconvenience. I like that phrase. And what he means by that is you got to move your body every 20 minutes. <laughs> and so yeah. for the people in these blue zones, they are because they have to a lot of, in a lot of cases where they have to walk down the street to go to the store or they have to go load up some firewood or they have to uh, walk up hills to get go get food. Then uh, your life has to be a little inconvenient. That's something that Americans need to be remember to be. Well, so it, yeah, I think it's inconvenient, but it also at the same time it is just kind of part of your daily routine. You're not right. you're not having to like you know make time to go for a 30 minute bike ride. Right. Right. Like you just said, you just, you have to walk up that hill to, you know, get, get to your job or to carry the firewood or whatever. Yeah. He he says none of the people in the blue zones are doing, um, are doing Pilates or going to yoga (laughs) class. All they're doing is, is, uh, you know, walking up the street to visit their, their nieces and nephews and carrying a bag of groceries back from the store and uh, going to pick up, um, you know, some food from the market. And that's the way they stay fit. Yeah. Um, okay. So eat plant strong, right? Uh, you know, move that body, move that body. Uh, what else? Um, well, I, I, I always defer to, to the blue zones again. I think that, that, uh, a big piece of the blue zones is community. Yeah. Socialization, right. Socialization, keeping in, keeping in touch with people. Uh, he gives the great example of how in Okinawa, Japan, they have these things called moais, these groups of people uh, they, that are sort of, they watch out for each other. So this group of all these uh, women that are over a hundred years old get together every single day and they, they play games and they, uh, they talk about, you know, who was, who was the hottest guy in their high school class. <laughs> and they, and yeah. they, uh, and if one of them doesn't show up, they go find them. So they actually, if someone doesn't show up one day, they actually all put on their clothes, put on their shoes and walk up the street and go find that person. So I know that in the midst of this COVID-19 crisis, 
it's difficult to do that, but as we all know, there are ways to do it. So we can, we can you know, get on a Zoom call, you can, you can call your friends, you can FaceTime, but you gotta stay connected. And that's yeah. actually important because it makes you feel as if you're responsible to something other than yourself. It's very easy to feel lonely and get stuck when you're stuck at home, but you gotta reach out to people. And well, and speaking of which, let me just say that, so this is the first Plan Strong podcast that I've ever done that hasn't been face-to-face. Ah. And, and, you know, kind of in lieu of everything that's happening right now, I'm not gonna be getting on an airplane. Uh, I'm not having anybody fly into Austin. So um, just to all the listeners and watchers, uh, in part, I apologize about that, but I'd also, it's, it's, it, this might become a little bit more commonplace. So, sure, sure. And fact, I also, it, yeah. I was going to say that the foundation right now is, is we just had a, a board meeting this morning to talk about how to continue to, to serve our mission with these new rules. So yeah. as, a, as an organization, like, much like Engine 2, uh, plant strong. We're trying to get out into communities and have FaceTime with people. But if we can't do that anymore, what are ways that the foundation can still get the message out? And we've been talking about of maybe moving to a, an online platform, or maybe we can teach classes over the over Skype or over Zoom or or what have you. So it's a, it's a challenge for everybody. Absolutely, but you know we are in the information era, and we have so many different tools and resources right. uh, that that we have access to. So there's going to be a lot of creative, right. um, you know uh events seminars conferences yep. that are probably all going to be online here yeah and i keep bugging i just was talking to uh, your sister this morning who's out of town uh, she's in new york state and uh actually she went to get our son from college regretfully but uh she's is talking about i'm trying to convince her to start kicking out more videos on her youtube channel because it's really a perfect time if you think about it where people are going to be home and they're going to be looking for stuff to do and it's a perfect time to, it's free, you know, it's free to people who, who watch the videos, they don't have to pay anything and she can stay in contact with the people that love her and she and uh, Anne will do some videos together. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I would like to add another thing, uh, you know, as far as what we can do to be healthy, especially in old age, and that is do your best to get seven to eight hours of sleep. Oh, for sure, that was my next thing actually, sleep. It was, oh, there you, there yeah. you go. Okay, dive yeah. in if you want, yeah. So. Uh, Again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to the blue zones because I love this stuff, but uh, blue zone people tend to get nine, eight and a half to nine and a half hours of sleep. Which oh, is, I can't remember the last time I got I that know, much. I know. So it's, it's, it's interesting to think about that as well, which I know in a modern world, you and I are both parents and you're the, parents that, you're the parent of young kids. So that's tough to ever get that kind of sleep. But, you know, try to go to bed early, try you know, get in and maybe with this with this uh, a lot of people working from home now with slightly more flexible hours that might be more of a reality for people mm. is to be able to sleep in a little perhaps and maybe work a little maybe work until seven at night and you know go to bed and sleep until nine or something i don't know but, yes yes yeah well, we gotta get we gotta get off those screens i know we gotta get off those screens we gotta get off those screens for sure uh, yeah uh, sleep keep that yeah. immune system strong i mean uh, really, if you look at what affects the immune system, if you're trying to stay well, it's diet and sleep. Those are the two big ones. Yeah. Is that if you can get a, night, a, a good night's sleep, your immune system's stronger. And if you can eat the right foods, your immune system's stronger. You know what? Yeah. And what I've always found too, and, and you mentioned this as well, is exercise. I find as long as you don't, you don't beat yourself down and right. you don't overtrain, right. I think you actually, you can, you just seem to be have a little bit more reserve as far yep. as your immune system is, is yep. concerned. 
I think I read an outside magazine the other day. They were talking about how to how to work out during this crisis, and they said be careful about doing really really hard interval workouts because mm. then you then you can stress your immune system and be a little more open to germs. So you might want to ease up a little, which I thought was yeah. was good good advice. Yeah, I mean, I look for example at you know uh, Kryl and Zeb, mm -hmm. who are you know collegiate swimmers and you know really phenomenal in their own right. But it seems like at some point in the season, usually they get really beaten down and then they get sick and then right. they're you know, kind of on the sidelines for a week or two as they're recovering. Right. Exactly. That's that. It didn't happen to Kyle this year, but it definitely happened to Zeb. He, he was in the beginning of his season was really cranking and then he got the flu, just the yep. plain old flu. And it took him a while to recover and he didn't quite ever get out from that from that ditch a little bit. So, yeah, it was yep. tough. Um, anything else you want to add? To the uh, to lesson no, I think I think again, it's it's just such a hard one. I think I'm, I think uh, we as modern humans are really good at at short term goals and not very good at looking out. I mean, whether you're talking about saving for retirement or making sure your health is good, but mm. there's never been a better time to remind yourself that, and, and it, with obviously these stark examples in our in our in our face right now, to take care of yourself is to not say, well, I'm going to wait till get back in shape when I retire, or uh, um, I'm going to put that off till next year because I'm too busy right now. you got to make time. Yeah. All right, let's move on to lesson number three. All right. With that? So yeah. uh, the world is interdependent and interconnected. Boy, howdy is it. <laughs> yeah, I think this is, this is the biggest one for me. And I think we saw, we saw a glimpse of this after 9-11 which is we were so devastated by the tragedy of 9-11 as a country and as, as a world that I think people kind of hit pause and they stopped and said, oh my goodness, you know, I have this amazing life. Like I, I'm, I've been driving towards all these goals around, you know, being successful, making as much money as I can, being, you know, generating, maybe I'm, uh, you know, really into being in charge of things and, um, you know, more, 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 grow, grow, grow. And I think the, this COVID-19 opportunity is an interesting one on a number of levels when it comes to the way we think about ourselves and the world. And I think, number one, it gives us a chance to reassess our values and to mm. say, it, it, it's important to take care of the people around me. It's important to spend time with my loved ones. It's important to watch out for my neighbor and make sure that they're okay. I mean, to check in with with older members of our street community where we live and just make sure they have what they need and if we can help them. But the second piece is around global citizenship. And global citizenship is something as plant-based eaters that, that you and I think about all the time, the effects of, of animal agriculture on the environment and, uh, and, and climate change. But I think this, again, a stark, when you have a really strong example in your face, it's very hard to, to ignore it. And I think this is another one of those where without exaggerating, literally, if I wash my hands in Ohio, it's gonna possibly spare a life in New Jersey, you know, or the way that we handle the coronavirus in this country is gonna affect how it's gonna spread in South America. I mean, we are interconnected as humans. We don't like to remember this all the time. And I think, especially as Americans, we sometimes get this idea that we're above the fray, that, that uh, you know, Ebola is something that happens in Africa or, uh, issues of starvation are things that happen in, on the, uh, you know, in Ethiopia, but really we're all interconnected and this is, this is a great leveler here. This coronavirus is reminding us that we are not above the fray, that we're very intricately uh, and intimately in, uh, sort of dovetailed with the rest of the world. 
And I think we have to remember that because it comes back to what you and I talk about all the time, Rip, which is what's, what's on your fork matters. Mm-hmm. And, and the choices you make every single day, all your little choices add up to, to you know, it has a big effect on the world. And so if you change the way you eat, maybe, uh, you know, the way that we farm will change. Maybe, uh, you know, if we eat more vegetables and, and steer away from meat, then meat won't have to be farmed the way we don't like it to be farmed, which ultimately connects us all together. So that's kind of where I was coming yeah, from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, to me, it's a, um, well, it's it's a beautiful thing in, 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 one, in one aspect, it's absolutely beautiful how we are so interconnected and interdependent. And in another, it's really scary. It is. And, it is. and, and one of the things that I've noticed, and it really hasn't hit me until the last two days, is how, how seriously everybody is taking this, this virus. Right. And like I drove to my office today, and I kid you not, and I'm not exaggerating, there was probably one one hundredth the amount of traffic right. that I normally see on the way there. So people are staying home. Right. right? I mean, they are, they are hunkering down. And when I think about, wow, I mean, this message has really gotten out. What could we do if we really put our minds to it with, with climate change, with, right. you know, the use of plastic, with, you know, the amount of air pollution, with driving, with planes, with, you know, everything. Right. I mean, we could really like do some, do some wonderful, in Absolutely. a good way, damage. Yeah. Absolutely. When people are motivated and they know, I mean, it's actually that this whole response to, to be people staying home is, is really pretty amazing to think that, that um, when people realize, because you and I aren't staying home because we're worried about being sick. We're staying home because we're worried about, uh, you know, your parents or older people getting sick. So really, it's, it's actually quite fascinating. I mean, the reason that schools are being canceled is not because, because they've already proven that like COVID-19 does not spread in younger generations, it seems. And so it really is a beautiful reminder that we can think about other people when we're really concerned. And, and like you said, it's, it's, it's really heartwarming to think that, that enough people are saying, nope, I'm not going to go to work because I'm worried about my neighbor, which is not something that, you know, I got to say, it's not something that we hear much about uh, in the news these days, about people truly saying, I'm going to do what's right for the planet, even though it's going to affect my going to inconvenience my life but yeah to your point you can make changes you can you can start off by maybe cutting meat out of your diet for a couple days a a week i mean we we would love you to do more but but that's a start and that has an effect over time it's really well well but i i think that if we can get the 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 message out that for whatever reason has not reached the masses but the number the number one cause of global greenhouse gas emissions comes from animal agriculture, then I think, you know, we can do the same thing we're doing right now. I mean, people, listen, hey, this is a slow moving meteor that is coming and it's gonna hit planet Earth. Right. And we gotta work together if we're gonna like get out of the way. Yeah, we can. And, and, but I think an interesting lesson is embedded in there, which is, when, it, when a lot of people are doing it, then it becomes really easy. So I think it's so, yeah. it's so important that you continue to do your work, the, the foundation continues to do its work, and all the other organizations, whether you're talking about PCRM or, or uh, other, other organizations, um, Whole Foods even, are, are pushing out as much of a message as they can, because when it becomes socially okay, 
then people are fine with it. But if, when it becomes when it's hard, and and the, and people question what you do, it makes it difficult. But it, but it is a great example of how when we're all thinking the same way, a lot can happen so quickly. You said he heard a quote, which was you know, our our parents and our grandparents, and our great grandparents were asked to go to war. And what we are being asked to do is basically is to stay at home and read and watch Netflix. <laughs> right? That, that's brilliant. Yeah. That's, I, that's, that's how we're waging, waging our war on this, uh, on this virus. Right, right. And there, there's an old quote. Uh, I know I, I'm going I'm to butcher it a little bit, but there's an old quote about why, I think, I can't remember who said it, I think it might have been Winston Churchill, but it was something about our, you know, we go to war so that our children can become artists and uh, yeah. and writers. So I think there's a there's a truth to that, right? Like that that some of the generations, many of the generations before us, suffered in ways that we could never even fathom, mm. uh, so that we could live lives that are more comfortable. And maybe that'll be the same way when, when our children get older and they'll barely remember COVID-19 or something like that. But yeah, I think it's absolutely true. I think in the modern world, there's something called the paradox of progress. And I think it is that as, as we get mm. more progress, as we progress more technologically and we feel like there's no comfort that we can't figure out a way to, to maximize, mm. it is sometimes mm. um, important for us to remember that, 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 life is hard that life can be really difficult and that the good news is is that we're capable of, of dealing with that but but it but it's important to remember that uh i think i think you're i think ted's absolutely right like <laughs> these are not crazy sacrifices we're making it feels that way right now but uh in the big scheme of things i think about you know your dad going off to vietnam as a surgeon or some of the things yeah. that he did um yeah yeah well um so brian if people want to read this this uh, this article that you wrote, yep. where can they go to, to read it? And we'll be sure to put it in our show notes. Yeah, sure. So for the, the podcast, but so it's posted on Medium, and I'll send you that link, and so you can post it. It's just it's really short, it's a full four minute read. Uh, I yep. probably will be writing more in the next couple of weeks, just because I think this this COVID nineteen opportunity it, it needs more reflection it needs more it needs more focus because i think there's a lot of important lessons to learn so i'll write some more but uh yeah you can just search my name on medium and, and like you said you'll have the link there and uh, i've got about some other articles on there if people, yeah. if people are interested about yeah. plant-based eating yeah you've got one about uh about men right right getting men <laughs> getting men off meat dudes we have a meat problem which <laughs> dudes. Is, uh, <laughs> yeah because uh many 60 percent of meat is consumed by men so uh, uh, if you really look at meat consumption and some of its problems, really the people uh, that are driving a lot of that meat consumption, the, those numbers are men. Yep. Yep. Um, well, we'd like to say real men eat plants. That's right. And, and you know, from the firehouse that it's, it's not because they don't know what's right. It's often peer pressure. It's often yep. actually the social constraints that they face in feeling like they, uh, to making healthier food choices is actually for men is, is tough social. Well, I'd like to have you back on uh, in a little bit to in a couple of weeks, maybe uh, to kind of reflect on where we are. Sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, from where we were today. I mean, it's yeah. definitely the dawn of a, of a new era. It is. It's, 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 it, but let's not miss, let's not miss the opportunity though. Right. Like this is, we've got everybody's attention yep. right now. And so if we can just continue to push out this message and, and for those 
those people listening, feel free to share the article or have the conversation with people just just to have them think about their food choices and 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 uh, and their role in the global community. Yep. Hey, Brian, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, great conversation. Thank you. All right, Rip, it's, it's a treat. Thanks so much for having me on. It's an honor. Yep. Peace. Right. Peace. Engine two. Keep it plant strong. Keep it plant strong. <laughs> All right. Lots of love, man. And finally, I want to encourage you to support our family's 501c3 public charity, the Esselstyn Foundation. We partner with existing nonprofits to make sure that the transformational power of the whole food plant strong lifestyle is available to everyone, no matter what your background or financial situation. All of our programming is offered free of cost. If you want to find out more, go to esselstonfamilyfoundation.org and know that all donations are tax deductible. Thanks. Thank you for listening and subscribing to our show. I want you to know that we read each and every one of your reviews and we appreciate each and every one. If you want to learn more about this season or today's guests and sponsors, please visit plantstrongpodcast.com. The Plant Strong Podcast team includes Lori Kordowich, Amy Mackey, Patrick Gavin, Wade Clark, and Carrie Barrett. I want to thank my parents, Dr. Caldwell D. Esselstyn Jr. and Ann Kryle Esselstyn for creating a legacy that will be carried on for generations and being willing to go against the current and trudge upstream to the causation. We are all better for it.